0: Uh, We're listening here as we look at the scripture today, and we invite you to speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, I need a show of hands. How many runners are are here today? Runners, get them up high. Okay, lots of them, lots of them. How many people wonder how anyone else runs? (laughs) Okay, the rest of you. I have a lot of respect for runners, in part because I run like three blocks and I feel like my whole body's about to shut down and I have to take a break. Uh, especially those of you who have run 26.2 all at once, not like over a year, all in one race. 26.2, where are the marathon people? Raise your hands. Look at them. Please give these people a round of applause. Amazing. Today, the title of this sermon is Hitting the Wall. We're going to talk about hitting the wall from a spiritual perspective. So I started with runners, because if you know any runners, especially marathoners, every single marathoner will be able to tell you a story, I spoke to some of them this week, of hitting the wall. And hitting the wall in running a marathon means that somewhere around mile 17 to 22, 18 to 22, somewhere like that, you feel like you are running a race and then all of a sudden you feel like you're dying. And they will say that there's this both physical and mental wall that you are guaranteed to hit as your body sort of shuts down from lack of whatever you're not having at the moment, lack of water, lack of glucose, all kinds of other things. One of my friends who ran Boston, he told me, when I got to mile 23, I felt like I was running on glass, like I was just running on broken glass. I said, that sounds amazing. Why, why wouldn't anyone want to do that? And some of the marathoners in our own congregation said, that's the conversation that's happening for you, with you, with yourself. When you hit that, you're wondering, why am I doing this right now? Why am I doing this? I think I paid to do this. I paid someone else to do this. Um, can I finish this thing? And a lot of the motivation from those who have done this—because I am not one of those people—have done this. They say that it's it's this idea that if you can get to the end of it, you will be changed. Not you won't just finish. You will be a different person. You will be someone who has survived this challenge and made it through this wall that is trying to shut everyone down, anyone who's ever tried to do this, experiences this. So today, when we talk about hitting the wall, we're going to talk about it from a spiritual perspective. Keep in mind this metaphor of people who are trying to run a long distance and know that part of running the long distance is making it mentally and physically through a significant barrier that happens to everyone. I want to describe for you what I think a spiritual wall, hitting a spiritual wall is like, because I know some of you are gonna be able to relate to what I'm describing, and sometimes the, the thing you need the most is some words to be able to articulate what you're experiencing and figure out how to normalize it and move through it. Some of you who've hit the wall spiritually know that life with God is hard, and you have the same kind of wonderings as a marathoner. Is this worth it? Can I make it? Can I finish it? Where do I find the resources to take the next step, let alone finish the race? If you've ever felt like that from a spiritual perspective, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So what does it look like to hit the wall spiritually? Uh, Another way to describe hitting the wall is uh, the dark night of the soul, which was the title of a book over 500 years ago, uh, to describe this deep, depressed Um, dark space that Christians go through, this lamentation of the loss of a closeness with God that they love, Jesus, whom they're following, that people for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, have gone through this season, call it whatever you want, dark night of the soul hitting the wall, where you feel things like you're distant from God. Anybody gone through a season where they felt distant from God? They feel separated from the people around them who have been a key support to them. They maybe are unsure of their faith in a way that they've never been unsure of their faith before. They felt like they had a lot of certainty and security in particular aspects of the way they understood God and now that's not as clear to them anymore. Maybe they have a desire for God or for something bigger in their life and they're not finding it or it's not being fulfilled and it's causing them to wonder if pursuing a distinctly Christian life of following Jesus is worth it or if they can finish it. That's what the dark night of the soul is like. That's what hitting the wall spiritually is like. And it's important to recognize that Jesus goes through these these experiences multiple times in in our account of his life in Scripture. The most important one for us in the middle of the Lent season, Lenten season, is when he enters the desert right after being baptized before beginning his public ministry. He spends this time in the desert literally alone, hungry, physically hungry, facing temptations. The scripture teaches us that Jesus has has experienced every temptation that you've ever experienced. So he spends this period of time in the desert that culminates in the significant temptation to, to live against his identity and do something that God does not want him to do. And the Bible teaches us that this loneliness and hunger and pain and searching that Jesus does is a necessary preparation for the next stage. He goes from baptism, where the Father says, this is my Son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased, to this desert preparation period, and then on to some significant ministry. So many people who write about this hitting the wall or the dark night of the soul say, that oftentimes when you're in a place where you are spiritually maturing for something significant that's going to happen in your life, you have to go through some kind of experience like this in order to mature. And so maybe the most important thing I want to say to you this morning is that hitting the wall or experiencing the dark night of the soul, it's the ordinary way that people grow in their relationship with Jesus. It's the normal path. If you're experiencing that, it's not because you've done something wrong, it's not because you're weird, it's not because you believed the wrong thing, it might be that God is really inviting you into something more and significant, and this is the way to help you grow. That's really key, because I've had lots of conversations with people who say, I feel distant from God, I used to not feel distant from God, what's wrong with me? And I want to say, well, maybe something's wrong with you. I mean, we all I have a lot of things wrong with us, but maybe you're in a season where God is really moving you into something new and you need to accept some of, the, some of the experience of this in order to grow. So this is a normal part. If our series is called Searching for God, this is a normal part of progressing in your relationship and your maturation in following Jesus Christ. Now, let me give one caveat to that. In my notes, it's called the sin caveat, which isn't a real eloquent way to say this. Hitting the wall is not meant to describe what you experience or the distance you might feel from God because of intentional sin. So for some of us, we've, we've had periods in our life and maybe we're there now where we know we're turning away from God intentionally. We're living in ways that we know God doesn't want us to live in and that's causing distance between us and God That's not what I'm talking about this morning. When we all have those experiences, the thing that God invites us to do is to turn around, right? To repent and to face God and say, God, I have gone in a direction that I knew was not your direction for me. I need your forgiveness. I know you offer me forgiveness. I need your healing, and I want to change the way I'm living my life. Please help me do that. The dark night of the soul or hitting the wall isn't that. It is, for, it is experience of people who could genuinely sit there and say, there's nothing I'm doing in my life that I know is intentionally against God's will. Of course, there's some things I'm unaware of, but I'm not intentionally doing things that God doesn't want me to do. And yet, I still find myself in this space where God feels distant, and I feel lonely, and I'm unsure if I want to keep doing this, and I don't know if I can make it to the end. If that's you, then you may be experiencing what I'm describing this morning. Here's a quote from this book that we're using as a daily devotional during Lent. It's called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Day by Day by Peter Scazzaro. Great book. Lots of you have been giving lots of feedback. I think there's a few that you can grab on your way out still. Here's a quote about moving towards what God wants us to, even in the midst of some pain. It says, The Spirit intends to investigate our whole life history. Talking about our past, as Stephanie was referring to last week. Layer by layer, throwing out the junk and preserving the values that were appropriate to each stage of our human development. Eventually, God's Spirit begins to dig into the bedrock of our earliest emotional life, the things that shaped you in the earliest part of your life. And hence, as we progress towards the center where God is actually waiting for us, we are naturally going to feel that we are getting worse. Does that make sense? As you move towards things and things are stripped away that are holding you back from what God wants from you, you're gonna feel worse. You feel worse at mile 20 than you did at mile one. That doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. This warns us that the spiritual journey, it's not a success story or a career move. It's rather a series of humiliations of the false self or God almost making fun of the things that were trying to tell you who you were that aren't true. And as those things get stripped away and you understand more deeply who you are as a a man or a woman created in the image of God, then sometimes you feel worse on the journey there. And we call that hitting the wall or dark night of the soul. So if you've ever gone through a season or you're experiencing a season now where your relationship with God feels distant or unsure or just off in some way, it could be because you're experiencing what I'm describing this morning. Now, here's why God allows these things in our lives. God allows this to help us grow in two important ways. Sometimes we have to learn something new. And it could be that we need to learn to trust God more deeply it could be that we need to learn dependence in, in, in a more deep way. It may, it may be that we need to learn humility. It may be that we need to learn vulnerability. Those are key ones that often God is inviting us to strip away some things and say, trust me, to be dependent on me, have an accurate view of who you are, and be open to share what's really going on in your life. So if you're in this season, it may be because of one of those things that God's trying to teach you. But God is also using these seasons of your life to help you unlearn things that are preventing you from going where God wants you to go. And uh, there was a list in one of the entries. Here's the list that they provided from this book. Some of us, some of the things that are holding us back are experience of being judgmental and impatient with the faults of other people. That's a form of pride. Some of us feel so discontent with our lives that it's shutting down every other part of who we are. Some of us are taking more pleasure in the things that we have or the blessings that we have than in being with God some of us are so irritated or easily irritated or impatient that we can't enter into what God is wanting for us some of us are are knowingly uh, resisting some sacrifice that God is calling us to and and we can't move forward because of that some of us are constantly comparing ourselves to other people as a way to decide whether we're being successful or not. And some of us are actually just running away from the hard thing that you know that God's inviting you to do. And probably we can make a longer list, right? There's something you need to unlearn and there's something you need to learn. And God, I think probably in a way where a father suffers when they see their kid suffering, lets us go through these things because he knows it's the only way that we can grow into the next season of responsibility and participation in whatever it is he wants us to enter into. I looked back on my own life timeline and just briefly I could see specific seasons where I experienced particular dark nights of the soul in anticipation of something I didn't see coming. There was one where I, I went through a whole season where I just was terribly unsure that God even existed at all. I had grown up in the church. I had grown up in the faith. I entered in my teenage years, and I had a panic attack version of months of wondering, maybe, God, maybe God's not there at all, and these people are all making this up. And now I look back on it and realize that was a season I had to go through in order to be ready for the next thing that God had for me in my college years. I've gone through seasons of extreme discouragement about the church. Has anybody else ever been there? Look at you guys all, don't even nod your head, I know you have. (laughs) I've been through these phases of my life where I wonder, is God going to use the church, especially in the U.S., at all? Are we so far off that we're not even paying attention to the thing that God wants us to be? And it's hard to want to participate in church at all if you're in that space. I know some of you have been through that. I've gone through seasons where I was wrestling just with my own identity and my own calling. Who am I really? And what is it that God wants me to be? And I'm so unclear about that. It's hard to move forward. In the season I'm in now, God's inviting me to do some deeper reflection about my own emotions, which I don't love to talk about and and think about how God has made me emotionally, which this, this series has been really good for me personally but it's really hard and I don't want to step into it and I I know it's probably a preparation for something else. I frankly don't want to do it. I don't want to go there. And so maybe you can relate to one of those about doubt about God, doubt about church, struggling with your identity, struggling with what's going on inside of you. Maybe there's another list that you could make. These are all things that God can use to help us and often is using to help and prepare us for the next thing that God has in mind for you to be part of, or for us as a church to be part of. I want to briefly read this scripture from James in chapter 1. James is writing this letter. It just says, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he's writing this letter to a whole mess of people and and trying to help them as they are a young church in a lot of different contexts figure out what do they do with the struggles in their life. And here's what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2. Put it back up on verse 2 for me, will you? Doesn't this sound like utter nonsense to you? Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Does anyone get like a huge tax bill and go, yes. This, I have no idea I'm going to pay this, but I know it's going to be great. People don't do that, right? For some reason, James is writing to these Christians who are trying to figure out how to be church in the first century in all kinds of different places and saying, listen, the the trials you're facing, and there are many kinds of trials, the dark night of the soul or hitting the wall is just one kind of trial. These people were experiencing poverty and persecution and loneliness and and, um, disconnection from their families, all kinds of trials, and we face all kinds of trials. These trials are normal, James is trying to say to this early church. Sometimes in the 21st century, I feel like some of us think trials are are to be avoided. If you hit a trial, you've done something wrong. That's just not true. Life is sort of one series of trial after another, isn't it? And how we enter into those things God is saying through James here is that we can consider it joy, which I'm going to translate as Deep satisfaction or comfort in knowing that God is with you in the trial and the trial can be purposeful and bring about growth. That's not happiness. It's joy. That these trials can produce perseverance. That as we stay in it, as we stay in the marriage that's hard right now, as we stay with the congregation even when we don't like the congregation, as we stay in the relationships and friendships that seem overwhelming and would be easier to get out of. As we stick with the calling that God has given us to be committed to people who are hard to love. As we as a congregation deepen our commitment to Northeast Minneapolis and the communities that you, that you all represent and say, God, this isn't always easy, but we're staying in it. When you persevere, you grow. So when you face a trial, what I want you to hear what me saying today is, one, Trials are normal, and they're going to come into your life. Two, if you persevere, if we persevere, we're going to grow, and we're going to be better prepared for the next thing that God has in mind for us. And when we struggle, and when we face trial, it causes us in ways that we often don't do any other time to hit our knees and beg God for wisdom. Yes? God, we don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how this business is going to continue to go. I don't know how to raise this child. I don't know how to pursue the right relationship for me. I have no idea how this work problem is going to be solved. I desperately need your wisdom. And the scripture says here in verse 5, God gives wisdom to all who ask him generously. So, let me invite the band to come back up. When these hard seasons of your life come into your life, Think on them as opportunities. Think on them as a chance to turn around and face God and ask for forgiveness. Think about them as an opportunity to invite somebody else into your journey. Do not be shamed. Do not feel guilt about struggling. Struggling is normal. Trials are used by God to help us become different people. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, represented by the symbol over here, right? Does this symbol represent a trial? Did Jesus go through a dark, a literal dark night in order to get to the place that the Father needed him to go in order to offer the rest of us salvation? Jesus is literally sweating blood, saying, I can't do it. I can't make it. I don't want to go through this. And the Father says, no, 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 you are going to be purified through this, and so is the rest of the world. And you got to keep going. I don't know anybody that can do that without a community of people. This is not an individualistic thing. We have to be open and vulnerable with each other enough to be able to say, I'm there right now. I'm in the midst of this. I've had these tearful conversations with some of you where you felt scared to even tell me that you were doubting any of these things that I've mentioned this morning, and I wanted to look at you and go, it's okay. It's okay. We're in it with you. This is something other people have been through, and God can use it in your life. That's not to take away from the pain of it or how hard it is, but if you have people like people in this congregation who can support you, then darkness can become light. Amen? And death can become resurrection. And we can see the hardest things of our lives as opportunity for God's glory to shine in and through us. Not because we're perfect, but because we struggle through it, and we learn, and we grow, and we become more like Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we offer you our praise as the God who brings light to darkness. You are the God who brings life to death. And there is victory in our faith because we know you control the end of the story. So we offer to you right now our groanings, our need for you, our desperation, our feeling of being stuck or distant or lonely we offer that to you honestly and ask you to help us to break through the wall that we're facing. Help us to trust you more, to depend upon you more, not to turn away from you, God, but to search for you more intently. Give us eyes and ears to see the people around us in this church who need to be encouraged because they're going through this right now. Help us to be honest and vulnerable with each other in sharing what we're really facing. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Bring glory to your name by making us a group of people who persevere and seek your wisdom. That the world would know that nothing is possible like what is possible when a group of people trusts you and praises your name and steps into the unknown and takes risks and keeps going. We need you to be able to do that, God. We can't do it on our own. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.